Uh, I hope you came expecting this morning. Or did you just come to, to check this off? Right? Just go to church, right? Check it off. Now, I tell you what, God wants to do something in here today. Um, and as we were getting ready to worship, uh, or getting ready to come out here after worship here, you know, I was thinking about how freedom is accessible to every one of us, right? No matter what you've got going on in your life, but there's, there's a couple things that we see scripturally that happen. Like, you know, the woman that, that had the issue of blood that was in the crowd and had that, that for several years, she thought, I need to reach out, right? There was a, something she had to do. She had to do something, and this morning you might have to do something, right? That it's all accessible, everything's accessible, everything that God has, and all the healing and the restoration and, and everything that, that God has is available to you, but you might have to do something, right? And then I was reminded of, of Paul and Silas, that they were in prison. It looked bad. They were in chains in prison. It was a bad situation, right? So they just gave up. Okay, come on. I'm like, I know it's the, I know it's the first service. But, but you guys, some of you are awake. That, so they just gave up because it was a bad situation. They were, it was against all odds. I mean, listen, the, the, the authorities put them in prison. Um, they were behind bars. And these things, the bars are like designed to keep you there. So were chains, right? But about midnight, they decided, you know what? I think we're going to pray and worship. Because most people do pray and worship at midnight. Right? When it's easy. Most people do when it's easy. So at midnight, they decided we're going to pray and worship, and something happened. Suddenly an earthquake happened. And you guys know the rest of the story, that the, there was an earthquake, the, the, the gates, the bars opened, the chains fell off, and everybody was free. But you want to know that wouldn't have happened had they not decided to, at midnight to go after it? Right? And so I just encourage you this morning, right, that it's not midnight, it's it's, it's 9.10. The caffeine should be kicking in, right? Maybe go, maybe go after it a little bit this morning. Can we do that? And if you leave here the same, it's your fault. Because what I'm going to say isn't probably going to be all that eloquent, but it's still the word of God. And you're still in the presence of God. And the worship team led us into worship. And you had an opportunity to worship. And from here on out, man, God wants to change our lives. I don't want to come in here and leave the same ever. Amen? So if you got chains in your life, one thing that's been in my heart a lot lately is people struggling with mental health issues. If you're struggling with mental health issues, God's bigger than mental health issues. Amen? He can, he can break chains and open prison doors, but he can't take care of mental health issues. He can bring dead people back to life and open blind eyes, but he can't deal with mental health issues. Somebody in here this morning needs to say, God, I received that. That I, I, I grab that, I reach out and I say, God, I want that, I'll, I'll take that. That I don't have the answers and no one else maybe has the answers for my situation, but you do. And I believe that you're the one that heals. And if I just reach out to you, I don't have to figure it out. I can just say, God, would you heal me? And he'll say, yes, I'll heal you. Amen. And that applies to every situation in your life. I'm, I'm telling you, gang, if you've got a marriage problem, if you've got a drug problem, if you've got a pornography problem, if you've got a stealing problem, a lying problem, a whatever problem, all you have to do is say, hey, I know the one that's got the answer. Right? Or you could just live with your problem longer. Or you could walk out and still have marriage problems. You could still have mental health problems. You could still have substance abuse problems. You could do that if you want. I don't know about you all, but I'd rather get free. Amen? 
And the world's looking for a church that's different than what's out there. Right? And Jesus makes the difference. Yeah. You can sit down for a minute because I do have a couple announcements, a couple things to cover. Um, I want to take a moment and just recognize this weekend or this, this holiday weekend of Memorial Day. And Memorial Day is different than Veterans Day. Okay? Memorial Day is specifically for those serving in active duty that gave the ultimate sacrifice and lost their lives. And I just want to honor everyone that has a loved one that has given their life for our country. Can we just give them a round? Amen. It's kind of like the model that Christ gave us, right, to lay down your life for your friends. That we live in a country that's free because men and women decided that it's worth it to go after that and lay down their life for us. Amen? Let's don't forget. Let's don't get it mixed up either on what this is really all about. There are many that gave their lives so that we can be free. Amen? So it's not just a day off on Monday. Take some time to honor it. Um, the bold, uh, the, the bold, bold campaign. You can know we got this thing going on called the bold campaign, right? Do you guys know that? Have we talked about it a few weeks in a row? Hey, if you haven't had an opportunity to give your bold pledge yet, you can still do that, clearly. Um, there are cards out there, the gotcha crew and the yellow shirts, they can help you with that. You can jump online and do that. Um, but we're going to announce the, the results of that or the first round, you know, the, the, the pledges. We're going to do that here um, in the next uh, several weeks. And I just want to want you to have an opportunity to do that as well. If you've been praying about it, maybe you were gone last week when we, when we did that. There's an opportunity to still do that. Also, next, uh, starting next week, Pastor is going to start a series called Culture Wars. This is going to be spicy. So I, I got a couple of the topics here that he's going to cover and, and more. So here's a few of the topics. So be praying about this. Black Lives Matter. It's not going to be controversial at all, is it? No one wants to say a word. Next topic, the rainbow. Okay, come on, guys. It's time that we take the rainbow back. Um, the rainbow doesn't represent... It doesn't represent what the world thinks it represents. The rainbow, God gave it to us as a reminder that he'd never flood the earth again. It's a beautiful thing that God gave us. But somewhere along the line, somebody hijacked our rainbow. It's a God thing. It's not a, it's not a, it's not, it's not a hate thing. It's, not, a, it's not, not calling anyone else out. It's God gave us that, right? So we're going to talk about that. Uh, socialism and welfare. Come on, three people are excited about that one. Gender. I mean, come on. Abortion. And, you know, I had somebody say to me yesterday, didn't we just talk about abortion? Yeah, we did. It's really not a big deal, so we shouldn't talk about it again. That's, I didn't say it like that. But, but here's what happened. His pastor preached on it several months ago. And I had people tell me that uh, ladies that were in their 70s were finally set free from some guilt and shame. And the first time in their lives ever going to church, they'd heard anybody talk about it. And I don't know about you all, but I've gone to church for a lot of years, and I've, that was the first message I've ever heard on it. 
And it's a real issue in our world. And I want you to know on every, every single topic, everything that pastor is going to preach on here, that yes, it's, it's going to be biblical truth and it may be a little spicy, but it's going to be completely covered in grace. Right? So don't you want to be a part of a church in a place where that, that teaches, preaches, and highlights biblical principles? Because what the world's got going out there, it doesn't work. We're called to be different. We're called to be holy. We're called to be set apart, right? And Jesus, if you didn't notice when you read the word, man, he, he dove right into those issues, right? I mean, he finds himself standing over a woman that was just caught in adultery in the very act. It doesn't get more real than that, right? And so he didn't shy away from that and go, man, this is going to be a little controversial. I don't know if I should really comment on, on really the biblical, you know, truth in this right now. He dove right in. But he blew everybody's mind because he operated in grace. He told the truth, don't do it anymore, but he operated in grace. So you don't want to miss it. June's going to be absolutely amazing. This is a time to invite people. Um, and, and you know that we have an amazing pastor who's going to do it in a really, really graceful way. Amen? It's a safe place to bring them. It's a safe place to bring them. And, and before I dive into this, this message, I just need to highlight one more thing. For... For as long as I've known Pastor Jesse, I've described him as the Australian pastor at Eternity Church. I can't do that anymore. If, if you didn't know our, our pastor, Jesse and Lauren, they, uh, they are now U.S. citizens. So excited. Now we have to say that we have an American pastor that talks like an Australian. Right? So, hey, if you would, let's, let's stand up just for the reading of the, of the scripture here this morning. We're going to look at Luke 14. And uh, the title of this is, is Compelling. Compelling. Luke 14, 16 through 24. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet... He sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to the master and then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Lord, as we dive into your word this morning, God, I pray for, for your Holy Spirit to guide us. God, I pray for open ears and open hearts, and God, we want to grow closer to you, and I pray that your church, God, would respond. I pray that your church, God, would be healthy. God, I pray that we would live according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now before you sign, you have to high-five at least five people, okay? If you don't, the Lord sees it. He knows you are being disobedient. Okay, that's a little too crazy. Come on, back. Let's get you back here. 
That's like, you remember, like, in the old days at church when they would, uh, we'd break, like, after worship and have a moment of fellowship or, what, like, you'd greet people? I could never get people back. Like, you know, they'd go get coffee or get a donut again or hug on somebody's neck and, and people start praying together. And it's, it's horrible. You guys almost went there. So I think five high fives is, is too many. Um, but in this, in this, in what we just read, the church... The church is called the bride of Christ. So in, in what we read here in Luke, Jesus has given a parable, and a parable is something that's true. It may or may not have happened, but it's true. It's a principle. It's, it's, it certainly is a thing that's going to happen um, as we are the bride of Christ. There's going to be a wedding reception. There's going to be, a, there's going to be a, a gathering together of all believers. And As a matter of fact, in Revelation 19, it says this. Let us, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel of the Lord said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. So listen, you're all invited to a party. The Lord is throwing a party, and you don't want to miss it. I, I mean, come on, guys. You're going to have to help me a little bit this morning. Like, you guys like to party? We're in church. I shouldn't say that. No, this is God's idea. Like, you, you know what's crazy to me is the world takes godly principles and uses them, and then when people of God try to do it, then they say, well, that's worldly. No, no, God designed this. So, like... I'm going to sidetrack for a minute. Like, sex. God made it. Beautiful thing. In marriage. It's awesome, right? In, world, in the world's eyes, it, you just do whatever you want. It's great. It's not. They hijacked it, right? A party. Having fun together. Eating food. It's going to be amazing that that's God's design. That God said, listen, I want you to do this. I want us to get together, right? So, guys, this is going to be a little bit tough for us to kind of, kind of get our minds around. But we're, we're called the bride of Christ. I've never been a bride. We've got a wedding coming up in 12 days. My son's getting married in 12 days. There's a lot of preparation that goes into a wedding, less if you're on the groom's side. I have two daughters. Someday I'll experience that. But there's a lot of preparation that goes into it, and there's a lot of, a lot of symbolism in being a bride. You know, most brides wear a, a, a white dress and symbolizing just that purity. And, and it's just a beautiful thing. And there's the ceremony and all the stuff. But then when all of that's all done, we have this reception, right? And the Lord's throwing a party and everybody on planet Earth is invited. It's all leading up to that moment when we're with him. He went to prepare a place for us. The wedding is a lot of work. And apparently, you know, I mean, he's God. He's been gone for 2,000 years. It's going to be a party. Come on. It's going to be a party. Do you realize that's what we're living towards? Do you realize that this everything that we do isn't about right now in this 80, 90, 100 years that we live? That we're going to go to eternity and we're going to spend all eternity somewhere. And he's so excited to have all the church, everybody that loves him, that's called, is going to be there together. We're going to have a party. The food is going to be so good, we don't have to do the dishes when we're done. We don't have to clean up, and there's zero calories. That's not biblical, I don't think, but I don't think you're going to be obese in heaven. 
so we can eat as much as we want. I told them last night, the, the scotcheroos, they're mine. Everybody gets their own dessert. It's going to be amazing. I, as a matter of fact, I remember as a kid, um, I didn't grow up as a little guy in church, and, but I always had this connection with the Lord. And, and I remember I was probably six years old, maybe seven, and I remember I had a dream one, uh, one evening, one night. And it was in, in the dream, it was in heaven, I guess, and there was this huge table and all this wonderful food, and everybody was around it. And, and everybody could eat as much as they wanted. And everybody was happy and smiling and, and laughing. And it was just awesome. I, just, I can still vividly remember that it was just like there was no conflict. There was all this food. And maybe part of it was because we ate spam a lot. So maybe my little guy was like, I want food, like real food, remember? Anybody else have spam? Okay, a few people know what I'm talking about. Moving on. So, but everybody could eat everything that they wanted. It was great. And then, and then on the other hand, I saw people sitting around a table, and they were, they were hungry, and they were sad, and they were fighting, and there was all this food in front of them, but they couldn't reach it. And I remember waking up and, and telling my mom about this, and she was perplexed. I mean, that's kind of strange for a six, seven-year-old, right, to have a dream like that. And we didn't read the Bible, so I had no idea. And then one day I remember reading this going, that's what it's going to be like. Everybody's going to spend eternity in one of two places. You don't get a third option. Isn't that crazy? So you're invited. So that's the whole, that's the whole thing here. You're invited to a party, and, and uh, you don't want to miss it. It all leads up to this moment, right? Um, I had another crazy encounter when it comes to the, the, like the wedding supper and, and this final feast that we're going to have. I was, I was driving along one day, um, leaving work, and I had to go to a ministry meeting. And I shared this with a couple people once, but it was just such, this, such, a, such a cool moment. Um, I'm driving along, and I've got this, this thing I've got to go to. I was going into, we were in youth ministry, and I had this meeting after work, and I was rushing to get there. And I was, um, was driving along, and I saw a hitchhiker. And at that time in my life, it was a few years ago, the Lord told me to pick up hitchhikers. Okay? And I'm not saying to do that. This isn't a thus saith the Lord. If the Lord tells you to do something, then you do it, right? And he'll take care of you. But it's generally not a good principle nowadays to pick up hitchhikers. Right? Okay. Amen. So everybody heard me there. So that's my little disclaimer. So I'm driving along, and I'm, again, I've got this ministry meeting to go to. It was a good thing that I had. I, we were, were planning some stuff for the kids, and, and we're dri I'm driving along, and I see this guy's hitchhiker. And remember, the Lord had told me, pick up hitchhikers and tell him that I love him. That's what he had told me. I drive by this guy, and he looked really, really rough. And I didn't want to pick him up. He looked really rough. He had his thumb in the air, and that's typically what hitchhikers do, right? And... I drive by him and I'm like, Lord, I can't, I don't have time, I gotta go to this ministry meeting, I've got this thing, I gotta meet these people, and it's like a half hour away, and so, you know, you understand that you told me to do that, but yet, you must not have checked my calendar, because I've, I've got this ministry thing. Ministry things trump everything else, right? Okay, good. So I'm cruising along, and I probably went a mile, and you know, you guys have been there, right, where you feel like God asked you to do something, and you're wrestling inside here? And this, this turmoil and this, like, I, I, I know I'm supposed to. I know I'm supposed to. I know I'm supposed to. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. And if you keep pressing in and you keep going, eventually that, that'll go away. Because he gave you free will. And you'll miss that opportunity. And I've done that before, too. But I'm driving along, and I'm about a mile down the road past this, this hitchhiker dude. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, reminding me of a scripture. Remember that when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. So he dropped scripture on me. Isn't that just like the Lord? To use his own word? 
And to, I mean, like, he knows scripture pretty well. He kind of knows when to apply it to a certain situation too, right? And so I, I honestly, I said, that's not fair. That's not fair. This was, uh, this wasn't, this didn't fit into my schedule. And, but I'm like, okay, I've, I've reached the point in my life where if I feel like I know it's God, I'm going to do it, Right? Regardless of what the consequences might be and regardless of what it might look like and regardless how nervous I am or how silly it is, if I know it's God, I'm going to do it. Because he said his sheep know his voice, right? So if you know his voice, just listen to him. It won't contradict scripture. Just listen to him. So I turned my truck around. I had this had a little, little pickup, a little Nissan pickup, and I pulled up next to him and I said, hey, do you need a ride? And he said, no, I just like standing here with my thumb in the air. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be really good. This is awesome. Thank you, Jesus, right? And so he gets in, and I'm like, oh, dude, like, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly a little nervous. I mean, dude is, is tatted up from head to toe. He is rough looking. I think he even had, like, a knife on his hip. I mean, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? Like, you know, what's my plan here? And, and uh, he goes, didn't you just drive by me? And I said, yes, yes, sir, I, I did. And he goes, yeah, you, you know, you, why'd you come back? And I said, well, you know, and he goes, well, you know, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> I did. I go, what'd you say? And he looked right at me, and he looked through me. I felt like he goes, you heard me. Okay, then. We're good. Yeah. So, um, so we drove down the road. We didn't talk much at all because I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I, well, I did tell him. I said, well, I kind of got this thing. I felt like God told me to pick up hitchhikers and tell him that, that, that he loves you. And he's like, cool, thank you, you know. And normally, some, there's more conversation, right? Like, I picked up a lot of hitchhikers. And normally, there's more conversation, and you hear about their life, and whatever else, and what's going on, and why they're hitchhiking. Nope, nothing. Dude, just cool, thanks. So we get to where I'm going to turn, and I said, hey, bud, this is where I got to turn. Good luck on your trip. He gets out, comes back, leans in, and goes, hey, I'll see you at the marriage supper. Yeah! So listen, the point is, I'm going to see that dude there. I mean, the scripture also says that some have entertained angels unaware. I don't know. I don't know if angels are tatted from head to toe and looks really scary. I do think they might probably do be, look scary. But anyway, the point is, we're all heading to this thing called the marriage supper of the Lamb. Right? And it's this culmination of everything that Christ has been doing, that he came and died on a cross so that you and I can be with him. Right? You got to get this in your spirit. You have to understand because it changes how you live your life, right? It should change how you live your life if you realize you are the bride of Christ. He wants a pure and spotless bride. He wants a bride that's ready for him. He wants a church. That's, that's what the church is about, by the way, that this is his idea that we're supposed to be one body, one bride that gets reunited with him. So you're a part of something bigger. You're a part of something. You're a part of a bride of Christ, we're going to be reunited with him. And this whole thing we're talking about, the marriage supper, is, is what that is. It's the culmination of that. It's the celebration of that, right? And can you believe that people made excuses? Back to Luke 14. Now, I know that you have probably never made excuses on, you know, maybe something God's asked you to do, right? Never. Well, these, th these three did, and, and here's what they did. They they began to make excuses. See, they had been invited. The invitations had gone out. They knew this day was coming. Now, it was customary in that time that they had, they had received the invitation. They had already RSVP'd. But 
the servant would go out that day at, the, at a given time and say, okay, it's all ready now. It's ready. So they had already planned on going. They'd committed to going. They said, I'm going to go. But then when the time actually came to go and to commit to actually going to the party, they began to make excuses. And, you know, it's not that different than our world today. Everybody's been invited. You realize that? Like he desires that none would perish but all would come to repentance. He wants his house to be full. He wants everybody there. But the first one said, I bought some ground, and I need to go see it. Please have me excused. Now, this just boggles my mind because it was like supper time. So at supper time, it's starting to get dark, right? You're going to go look at ground you bought in the dark? Excuses are dumb. There's a saying about excuses. I'm not going to say it right now from the pulpit. But it's supper time, and you're going to go look at the ground. And let me get this straight. You bought a chunk of ground, but you didn't look at it first? No, it doesn't make sense, right? Like, it's just an excuse. The second one said, I bought five oxen. How many, how many, five yoke of oxen. Anybody know how many, how many that would have been? Ten, yeah, two of them make, it, make a yoke. So they bought ten oxen. And he said, listen, I, I, man, I, I'd love to go to the party. I, I really would. But I just bought five yoke of oxen, and I've got to go try them out. You, you bought them before you tried them? And it's getting dark. You're going to go do field work in the dark because you've got LED lights on these oxen? I mean, it makes no sense. I mean, even their excuses, like the thing about an excuse is it doesn't make sense, right? You know when somebody's giving you a line of bull. Don't you? But it just, it's just that they, they, you feel better. You, you feel justified. You feel like, un, you feel like it's, it's better that way. I, I bought some oxen. I need to go try them out. Please have me excused. Then the third one. This is crazy. Yeah, I told you I'd go. I RSVP'd already. But I, I got a wife now. Like that just happened? You didn't know that was going to happen? And she doesn't like to go to parties? So what? I have a wife now. I, I can't go to your party. Okay. Okay, cool. You know, it would have been better if they would have just said, I don't really want to go. I, I just don't want to go. I'm not going to. You know, and that's the same thing serving Christ, right? I mean, he got a lot of excuses, but maybe it's just better to say, I, I don't want to live that way. Excuses are lame. All the things that they mentioned and used as excuses are ultimately good things, though. Right? Honestly. Like the ground. Okay, so you bought some ground. They, he had some money. I mean, it, it represented having some wealth and some property. And, and, and having wealth and property and, and, and being blessed in that way isn't a bad thing. Right? You agree? How many of you want to get blessed and be able to buy some ground? Right? There's a country song out about that. Buy dirt. Right? Sorry if you hate country music. You can still go to heaven, I promise. <laughs> the oxen. The guy bought five yoke of oxen so that he could do field work, so that he could make a living. That's his job. It's a vocation. How many of you know it's good to have a job? So it's not bad to own oxen. Anybody in here have some ox? That would be cool if somebody did, right? The third one, a wife. How many of you know the guys that have a wife most of the time, it's good to have a wife. 
You should not have done that. I said most of the time. I tricked you. How many of you know it's awesome to have a wife? Yes, yes. Oh, guys, that was lame. Let's do that. I'm gonna, I, for the sake of your afternoon, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do this again. We're going to rewind that I didn't just say that. How many of you that have a wife say, it is awesome to have a wife? Yes. Love you, Mindy. You're awesome. So a wife is a good thing, right? Relationships are good. The wife represents relationships. It's good to have family relationships. It's good to have friends. It's good to have relationships, right? But be careful what you put before Jesus. Good things that get prioritized before Jesus are harmful to your spiritual health. Let me say that again. Good things that get prioritized before Jesus are harmful to your spiritual health. I should have got like three or four more amens on that. Because listen, you've all been blessed. You've all got good things in your life. But I'm telling you what, it's not, it's not unique to this story. A lot of times we take the blessings and the things in our life and we put them before him. It's not good to, to put the giver before the gift, or the gift before the giver. That he's the giver of all good things. He's the one that blessed your life. He's the one that gave you that spouse, that relationship, that job, that property, the whatever you've got. He gave it to you, but don't ever let those things get in front of him. Amen? Come on. You got, you got to see this. These guys were invited to this marriage supper. They were invited. It was, it was great. They had planned on going. But all of a sudden, the cares of this world and things crept in. And, and now all of a sudden, the property, man, look at this. It's pretty awesome what I've got. And, and the, the job I've got, man, there's a lot of demands there. You know, I, and even, you know, we even make excuses even past the marriage supper thing, but even like being the bride of Christ and being in church, maybe, you know what, maybe I'll do that once my kids are done with sports because right now we invest in that. I, I'm sorry. Did I step on some toes? Right? No, I'm serious. Come on, guys. That sometimes we put the, the gift in front of the giver. We can't do that. Good things that get prioritized before Jesus are harmful to our spiritual health. Jim Elliott, missionary to Ecuador, said this. <clears throat> See, because the interesting thing is the, the property... The oxen and the wife, they're not eternal. They're good things. How many of us spend so much of our life and energy, priority, and time on things that aren't eternal? We need to shift that a little bit. Jim Elliott said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. I'm going to say that again. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep. So the possessions, the things of this world, the relationships, the things that are temporal, the things that are not eternal. He is no fool to give what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. If we get our priorities right in this life, we give him all the things that we can't keep anyway. The funny thing is, I see people's lives, and I've experienced it on my own. When I give him the things that I can't keep, he just keeps giving me things back. He, no, I'm serious. I was up praying this morning just before service, and it was like, God, I can't believe you let me do this. I was reflecting on my life a little bit, like as, as a little guy, and, and just my life, and I don't deserve anything I've got. You don't deserve anything you've got. But as you, as you keep that hard and as you put him first, he keeps doing things in your life. 
He says, I'm going to bless you because I want to, because I'm God, because I can. Right? But I see so many times people that try to hang on to those things, they don't have true, true joy, peace, they don't have eternal life, and it's like sand through their hands. Right? We don't want to be that way. The people in this parable missed it. What an offer. What Jesus is really talking about is eternal life, man. That's what it's all about. We're all invited. You must make the choice to attend. And you will spend eternal life somewhere. You, come on, hear me. You will spend eternal life somewhere. And the list of excuses could go on and on and on. Those excuses you've been making may actually excuse you from inheriting eternal life. I'm serious, that's a hard word. But I want to say it again. Those excuses that you or others have been making may actually excuse you from inheriting eternal life. That's how serious it is. Spurgeon said this, excuses are like curses. And when you have no more excuses left, there will be hope for you. Right? Oh, man, you know, but I just don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do that. How about I don't have time to work out? Okay, that's fine. Be unhealthy. Right? Jesus, after hearing the excuse, said this. Okay. He was angry but determined. And he told them, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Jesus said, listen, I want you to compel them. I want you to go. So I want to transition from the excuses a moment to now what Jesus says we're supposed to do, right? Because most of you, are, you're in the house, right? Are you in the house this morning? So you're the servant. You're, you're the servant that he said, okay, listen, I want my house to be full. But now, servant, guess what I want you to do? I want you to go evangelize everybody. That's you. Okay, so you got a job to do. I want you to go, and I want you to go to the highways and the byways. I want you to go to the country lanes. I want you to go everywhere. I want you to compel them to come. So what's your job? Evangelize, compel them to come. Now, sometimes, in, you know, in the past, we've had, we've had different people that have used the, this scripture in a way to persecute people and say, well, we're compelling them. No, what he's talking about here is to be so compelling by your life, compel them by the love that Christ has. Compel them. Is your life compelling? Does your life point towards Jesus? The offer is compelling, but only if we really understand what's being offered. The offer, once you understand it, is simply irresistible. I'm about to break out in song, simply irresistible. She's so fine. Okay, so. Um, and you're like, you can't sing that in church. Well, you know the song I'm singing. So you listen to it. But would you agree that the offer is simply irresistible once you understand it? Right? So how many out in the world right now, how many do you know? How many, how many in, in, your, you know, in your class if you're at school? How many in your workplace? How many in your family? How many in your street don't know yet? They, haven't, they don't know the truth. They've never heard it. It's not irresistible to them because they've never heard it the way it needs to be heard. Right? Now, he said, I want my house to be full. What if we all decided that we are going to be compelling in our life, that we're going we're to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to do something with the message? 
And you might ask, you know, what, man, what, why are you doing the bold campaign? Why is the church doing this? What's going on? Because he wants his church to be full. Come on. We're building a 1,200-seat auditorium over there so that his house can be full. More people need to know about Jesus. Or do we just want to have a spiritual country club? Because I like all of you and you like all of me. Or all of me. Wow. I hope you like all of me. At least parts of me. I'm not even sure my wife likes all of me. But we, we like each other. We could maintain. We could continue. We could do this for another 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and it's good, right? But that's not the purpose of the church. And it's uncomfortable. We've got to get a little bit uncomfortable. It's not just for the pastors. It's not just for the staff. It's not just for the evangelists. It's not just for the missionaries. It's not just for those people. It's for you and me, every one of us. We're supposed to be servants that are going out to the highways and the byways and the places that God sent us, and we're supposed to share the love of Christ. I think it's crazy that the guys that were invited first, they won't be there. Man, it's nuts. And that was kind of represented the Jews. But then it was spread to the Gentiles. And aren't you glad because all of you, most all of you are Gentiles. And I'm glad that God likes to hang out with the lame and the blind and the broken and the hurting. You know, he said, listen, I didn't come for the healthy. But I came for the sick because they need a physician. And guys, we don't have to do the work. Like, we don't have to do the salvation work. But we do have to do the work of telling them. What if the servants in that story would have said, you know what, man, I don't, I'm really uncomfortable about that. Not sure it's my calling. You're called to go. You're called to do the work of an evangelist. You're called to go. You know, and, and sometimes it's just the, the little things, the, 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 the listening to the Holy Spirit. You know, a few weeks ago I was traveling back from Missouri seeing the older two kids. Actually, it was my son's graduation from college. And we stopped at a gas station in Missouri. And, uh, and you know, like I said with the first story, the example of the hitchhiker, God's timing sometimes is inconvenient, right? And, but you've got to listen to the Holy Spirit. How many of you know the voice of the Holy Spirit? Okay. And I walk into this gas station, and I, the, the gas pump took forever. Ever. I mean, it's the slowest gas pump in the history of ever. I'm not kidding you. And you know what? Just, you know what? God does this stuff, right? I'm honestly a little irritated. Not only am I paying over $100 to fill my tank, but I'm going to wait a half hour to do it. I'm not kidding. So I'm standing there. I'm like, oh, good heavens. Mindy had, like, got food already and ate it, and I'm not kidding. Slowest gas pump ever. So finally I'm like, okay, I'm just going in the store. Well, I walk in, and this fella, his name is William. I didn't know William before this. I had an eternity shirt on, the one that said, like, freedom and Jesus and eternity church, right? The red one. That one back there. And he goes, I like your shirt. Thank you. And right then, though, I sensed the Holy Spirit say, there's more. I'm like, well, what, okay, what do I do with this, right? Like, what would you do? Uh, give him the gospel message? I don't know. You know, and I just stood there. And I just felt like I was just supposed to just stand there. Just like, wait. I, he's like, what? I felt like, hang around William. Hang around this guy. So I did. He kind of milled around a little bit, and I just stayed in the area. Pretty soon he, he comes up. I turn my back for a minute to get something to drink, and he walks up and he puts his hand on my shoulder. 
which is weird from somebody you don't know in a gas station. And so I karate chopped him. No, I did not. That would not be the Holy Spirit thing to do. So I turned, and he goes, he's got tears in his eyes. And he goes, my wife died yesterday, and I'm completely out of sorts. Whoa. Like, Holy Spirit moment, right? I'm not the brightest bulb. But I could sense that was the Holy Spirit. And William and I had a moment. We had, I just told him, man, Jesus loves you. I said, you know what, here's the deal. I don't know what your relationship is with him, but I know that he cares. I said, his best friend, Lazarus, died, and he wept over it. I said, I can show you the scripture, man. He's heartbroken over it, and he's heartbroken over your hurt right now. Even though Lazarus' friend, or his friend Lazarus, he brought him back to life, I said, you know what, he still wept. And I said, your wife, if she knew Christ, she's with him right now, right? And we had this moment, but it was because I listened to the Holy Spirit. Right? We're called to go. We're called to be compelling. We're called to give him our time. We're called to share the love of Christ with people around us. Right? And it's not just me. You're called to do that. I'll tell you this. If we all did that, if we all said, listen, Lord, I, from here on out, I want to I live a compelling life. I want my life to be so attracting to people, so attracting to people that they, they see you, there won't be room in the, in the new sanctuary that we build. Or are we just comfortable living our life, buying our property, working our oxen, having a wife, and just doing our thing? I don't know about you all, but I want, I want to see everybody that I know in heaven. And he wants his house to be full. Is your life compelling? Can others see the goodness of Christ in you? The love, the joy the peace, the patience, the kindness, the generosity, the faithfulness, self-control, gentleness. Does your life look like Christ? And I don't mean you're perfect, right? Because, I mean, we, if we're honest in here, we all have some work to do, right? But does your life look different? Is your life blessed? If you're serving Christ, your life should be blessed. My life is so much better than it was when I didn't serve Christ. And it shows, Right? Some, sometimes, y'all, we got to put a smile on our face and act like we love Jesus. Oh, come on. I know I've only got like four minutes left, so hang with me. But sometimes we got to act like we love Jesus. Sometimes we got to be nice. Sometimes we got to be forgiving, right? And as a church, I'll tell you what, it's the difference. People come in out of the world. They don't know what church is going to be like. And maybe they've been in church and it hasn't been like this church. They've never experienced Jesus like this. But I remember the first time walking into a spirit-filled church, it was different. Right? And listen, don't get comfortable that you get to come in here every week and experience this and think that it's normal. It's not. Take a week and go somewhere else. Well, don't do that. That'd be bad. Everybody picked the same week. But I want you to know, take my word for it. This is unique. It's real. It's genuine. People out there smiling, loving Jesus. Worship is alive. Right? And that's what it's got to be. But that doesn't happen without the people of God, the bride of Christ coming together. And by the way, if you're not serving somewhere in church, start serving. It's your church. You're the bride of Christ. Do something. If you can't smile, you can't be a greeter, though. If you don't love people, well, 
have you do something else, mow or something. Although the person that mows does love Jesus, she, she does. She loves Jesus a lot, and that's why she mows. But do you get what I'm saying? Like, it's different. It's compelling. Do people see that? Do your neighbors see that? I remember the first day we moved into our house in Granger, seven and a half, eight years ago, I've never, I had not met my neighbor Tom. He's a great friend of mine now. But we're moving stuff in. He walks over, introduces himself. First thing he says, we had not met. First thing he says, yeah, I'm not really a churchgoer. Hey, no problem. Nice to meet you. You know? How'd he know? What the heck? And I said, well, I just to be honest with you, I, oh, I don't go to church. I'm not really that religious. And I said, well, that's good because I'm not either. I said, I'm really not. I said, now, I, I, I am in ministry. I do, I, I do that, but I'm not very religious. I just have a relationship with a guy named Jesus. Right? Do your friends and family, neighbors, classmates, coworkers, do they know are they compelled? Do they see your life and like Paul said, man, follow me. Do what I do. If you do what I do, you're going to experience Christ, right? We're all called to live a compelling life. And it is like a monsoon out there. Did someone build an ark and not tell the rest of us? Rainbow. Remember the rainbow? It's the promise. He'll never flood the earth again. Nice try, Satan. He will quiet the storm, and we will stay sleeping, and we will not wake Jesus just for that. My time is up in 42 seconds. Sometimes, will you give me like two more minutes? The worship team, they can come and get ready so we can transition quickly for a 1030 service. But uh, sometimes doing the compelling thing and being compelling means you have to step out of your comfort zone, Right? And I'm talking to a lot of people this morning. You have, to, you have to step out of your comfort zone. I have to step out of my comfort zone. Aren't you glad that, uh, that a couple Aussies decided about 10 years ago to step out of their comfort zone and come over here? Oh, that's good because it was them. That was good. But, the, you know, they, they knew how this was going to work out. They knew that last year 900 people were going to give their lives to Christ. They knew that. They knew that it was going to be awesome, the best thing they ever did. They knew that there would be no problem becoming U.S. citizens, and they'd get the best friends in the world and the best church in the world. They knew that, right? No, it was a risk. Speaking of risk, we've got a couple right now that just sold their house. They lived in Adel, and they're moving to Audubon, Iowa, our next campus. Reggie and Alina, it might not be around the world, but I tell you what, it just as well could be. Because they feel like God's called them to go there and share the love of Christ, to compel others to come in and be a part of what God wants to do, right? So God may not call you to sell your home and move to a different community or a different country, and he might. But would you do it? Sometimes it's almost easier for that big move than it is to walk across the street to a neighbor's house. Sometimes it's harder to walk, walk over to that coworker that you've worked with for 15 years because, you know what, the guilt of why didn't I share Christ with him 15 years ago is there. I've got a goal in life that Scripture talks about. There's going to be, I've got it here, I'm not going to read it, but it's in Jude, in Jude 1. Um, anyway, I'm not going to read it for sake of time. It's actually in Revelation. But 
there's an example in Scripture where there's going to be two lines one day. We're going to stand before the Lord, and there's going to be the sheep are going to be on his right hand and the goats on his left. And the goats represent those that are going to go to hell for all eternity. The sheep represent those of us that are going to go to heaven, right? So we're going to the sorting gate, right? I raised, we raised hogs growing up, so I know what a sorting gate is, right? You mark hogs, and, and the ones that are ready, they go, and the ones that aren't, they stay. So there's a definite difference. Well, one day we're going to stand in this line, and I'm going to be a sheep, and you're going to be a sheep, right? Sheep are actually really dumb. That's weird, but they are. Um, thank you, Jesus, we're compared to sheep. But we're going to be in this line. We're going to be going, and, and we're going to get up there, and he's going to say, man, here you go. Your name's written in this Lamb's Book of Life, right? And enter. Here you go, man. And then the, the goats are going to get up there, and there's going to be people in that line that are going to get up there, and they're going to go, uh, like, they're going to see what's going on. Like, as they start getting closer to the, to the front of this line, they're going to, whoa, what the heck? This, this, this isn't good. This is, like, really bad. And they're going to start throwing a fit, and there's going to be people in the front of that line going, Lord, Lord, like, I did this stuff, and I went to church, and I, I, all this stuff, like, I did this religious stuff. And he's going to say, listen, I never knew you. That legitimately is going to happen. And, you know, it doesn't preach well because it doesn't feel good. But we have to tell the truth. There's only two places you're going to go once your life's over. Heaven or hell. That's it. There's no other option. There's no in-between. That's where you go. And my goal in life is this, is that if I'm standing in line with the sheep line, there's nobody I know in the goat line. Or at least no one in the goat line that looks at me and goes, Sock, dude, you, you knew this was going to happen? You knew this and you didn't tell me? Like, man, we worked side by side for 20 years. Or we, we went to high school together. Or we went to college together. Or, man, I was your neighbor. You knew this day was going to come and you never told me? I, I can't imagine. I don't, I don't want that. So to me, that motivates me past the fear and past the, the what if. Like, what if, they, what if they don't like me anymore? What if they think I'm a weird you know, weird guy. We're too late for that, right? Jesus loves weird people, right? I got that shirt too. Jesus loves weird people. But you, you get what I'm saying. There's going to come a time, and I just want to encourage you this morning, man, as we wrap up. Let's live our lives so compelling that people look at our lives and they want to go to the, they want to go to the marriage supper. Amen? Are you guys ready to go? No, I don't mean to lunch. I mean to the marriage supper, right? Are you ready? Would you stand up with me this morning? So two big takeaways. These are my two big takeaways as we close. Don't let the cares of this world distract you. Stay focused on eternity. Don't make excuses. Don't let the cares of this world distract you. Stay focused on eternity. And number two, live a compelling life that points people to Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.